Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Team Human is an ad-free community effort supported by real people like Melissa Davis, Matthias Mahl, Sean Plasted, Burned, and Neil Parker. Join them and me and the rest of the team by going to teamhuman.fm and clicking on support. You'll get access to our Discord channel, live salons, free admission to our live events, and our Team Human team feed with special interviews, talks, and rare conversations from the vault. We're even starting a weekly group meditation. See you there. You're on Team Human, Conscious Intervention in the Machine. This is where we stop saying gotcha and start saying I got you. An approach to life where supporting other people is the default, not the exception. Where winning is a booby prize because the game never really had to end. It's time to intervene on behalf of people for life itself. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and I'm doing that as a member of Team Human. Playing for Team Human, founder and director of Long Path Institute and author of the upcoming book, Long Path, my friend and neighbor, Ari Wallach. I think we need more of like, I got you. And our our systems, our social media, all these things are built for the gotcha and not the I got you. And when you know that, when you have that psychological safety, you can be weird again. Ari and I are going to talk about the fundamental human need to belong and how that's still going to determine our collective chances for survival. It's time to rise to the occasion of self-awareness. I'm Douglas Rushkoff, and I'm on Team Human. The displacement of over 4 million Ukrainian people to other parts of the world. It's got me thinking about the relationship of people to places. Thanks to war and climate change and economic pressures, which are all rapidly becoming one and the same, an increasing number of people are finding themselves dispossessed. 
And it's not necessarily a new story. And here in America, colonists displaced the indigenous populations, then turned the land from a living partner into claimed territory and owned property and eventually speculative real estate. Land ownership became the new way of being able to claim the right to use or even occupy one place or another. And until recently, I've been blaming the increasing tension around land and its use to capitalism. In my own lifetime, I've witnessed as Walmart and hundreds of other major corporate retail chains have taken over our world. Local restaurants, shops, uh, homes, even services like, like appliance repair. They've been replaced by corporate chains and corporate-owned developments. And former small business owners, they became employees of distant corporations. And the problem this created was more than the aesthetic difference between a mom-and-pop business and a, and a Starbucks, Dick's, or Outback, though the aesthetic and symbolic change is real, too. But the bigger problem is that money that used to circulate between businesses in a locality, it's now sucked out, at least in part, by the company and its shareholders some great distance away. And increasingly, the middle class, they become the renters, the gig workers, and the customers, rather than the owners, the stewards, or, or the sovereignty, <laughs> however much I hate that word, of, of their world. And while corporate capitalism it may have created this scenario here, authoritarianism, cronyism, uh, corruption, and colonialism have led to similar sorts of displacement and dispossession in other parts of the world and other parts of history. So I'm coming to see the, the recent acceleration of all this dispossession as less a coincidence or even a factor of technology than a conspiracy. I know I don't use that word that much, but I've been reading Bruno Latour's wonderful short book, Down to Earth, where he frames the climate crisis in similar terms with the environment as just one of the climates of dispossession in play. So like me, he wondered how the global elites could have seen the science on climate change put out by Club of Rome and other scientists since the 1960s and chosen instead to spread climate denial. I mean, it didn't make sense. I guess he has a slightly less hopeful view of human nature than me, uh, because what he concluded was that it wasn't ignorance or a mistake. It wasn't because they doubted the science, but because they believed it. On hearing what was coming, the global elite immediately concluded that the world could not get its act together in time. Like everything else in the elite's worldview, there would be winners and losers. So the object of the game was to be among the winners. So while making their own preparations for climate catastrophe, like land purchases, uh, resource hoarding, deregulation, the very same people were funding climate disinformation. 
So you look at the the Koch brothers as an easy example. They're perhaps the world's biggest funder of climate science denial, targeting climate activists directly. Yet at their secret retreats, to which more than one of my friends have been invited, they discuss strategies for moving industries away from imperiled shorelines and, and controlling the mass migrations of climate refugees. I guess if I were an evil oligarch or even just a selfish one and knew that some seriously disruptive shit was coming down, I might do the same things we're seeing implemented today. Construct border walls to block the movement of refugees, exacerbate divisions of wealth to separate landowning elites from the masses of migrants, and increase people's reliance on monopoly corporations and platforms for their employment and for their sustenance. And then aggrandize all this disempowerment as a return to some indigenous-style freedom or personal autonomy. Of course, the problem with this strategy is that it won't work. We people may be displaced or dispossessed, but the elites, well, they're disconnected from us and the rest of the human organism. When the externalities of all their domination make this way of life untenable, as we all know it will, I'll stake my future on the solidarity of the people over the cynicism of the elite. Whenever I get stuck in a loop, I like to call a friend to talk it out. And this week, I kept having the feeling that, well, not to freak anybody out here, but the bad thing may have already happened. You know, we can have hope and love and goodness and fun, but maybe we have to stop trying to avoid the iceberg and instead deal with the fact that we've already crashed into it. And when I get in a thought loop like that, I make like, uh, so you want to be a millionaire and phone a friend. I texted my neighbor, Ari Wallach, a fellow traveler who happens to be the founder of Long Path Institute, really just a way of organizing thought about our long-term future. And he said he could be at my place in half an hour. So here's what happened. I had this thought. Yeah. You know. And it was a thought very similar to a thought I had when I was with I was hanging out with Genesis Peorage yeah. up at oh. my country house. Yeah. And as as people often used to do. Yeah, yeah, as people did when I had a little country house, yeah. when I was a little single person and I had my my whatever that was, ninety one thousand dollar country house. Mm-hmm. And I was there with Genesis Peorage, and to be fair, we were uh, uh, very altered. Mm-hmm. And I had this moment where I realized, I think I'm having a bad trip. And we talked about it. And then Genesis ultimately said, well, Doug, the only, the only good trip is a bad trip. You yeah. know? And we talked yeah. about that. But I, real, I, I was watching the TV go through like COVID and something about Trump and something about Q and then something about the Ukraine war and then something about tactical nukes and then finally it went to a commercial and the commercial was about like getting getting herpes not herpes um zoster something from chickenpox that you got to get a vaccine yeah. to not get um this thing shingles yes and i was starting to think wait a minute we're no longer, 
And then we came back to, it was climate change after the thing, yep. right? Some fire somewhere. Oh no, this piece, a big piece of ice, the size of Manhattan. Had broken off. Broke off into the water, yep. right? Yep. And I started to think, oh my God, we're, I'm no longer afraid of what's going to happen. I think it's, it, we're in it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's, there's always this idea, you know, if, oh. it, as, a, as, a, as a practicing futurist, like, you know, 99 out of 100 times, yeah. I will hear someone say, well, the future is already here. It's just unevenly distributed. And it's like, everyone's like, oh, that's a, that's a very thoughtful, that's a great, that's a great piece. But yeah. like, it's as if, though, that just happened right now. Like, we're, we are in it right now. Like, all this idea that things are going to happen in the long term and the far off is happening right now. But the thing is, I think it's always been happening. This is, like, thousands of years. It's just things are now, like, at an 11 across the board. And at the same time, this is actually what I thought about when I was walking here. Like, so you see, that it's, it's good that you said you saw this on TV because there's a, like, a a mediating screen or experience, right? So you're seeing this stuff almost as right. like spectacle, yet it's actually like our entire world. And I feel like we're all witnessing things as spectacle, right. not as actually being in it. We don't realize we are, we are, we are like participant observers. You're right. It's like, it's on, it's the figure. It's the figure, not the ground. When it's in the TV, it's like the subject. It's like, oh, yes. we're looking at that as an object. But if you look over your shoulder, the camera's on you. Yes. It's like it's like that moment when um, people, when O.J. Simpson was doing that slow car chase when he was running in the in the white Bronco, and people saw it on TV in L.A. Yep. and ran outside to yes. watch the thing go by, and they were literally running onto their own TV screens. Yes. We're in it. We're in it. We're, we're soaking in it. in it. Well, there's always it's interesting <laughs> because we're in it and we're soaking in it, but we're experiencing it through this like cool distance, right? So these this ice sheet falls off or Ukraine is happening. These things are all these kind right. of two-dimensional stories happening. And then I get a text from my wife that says like, hey, you know, we're having people over. Can you go pick up like chives at the supermarket? Right. So for us still in this in the rather protected pocket of pocket of privilege in which we live, it it manifests as, oh, no, my basement got flooded because of the big storm or, oh, gas got really high or, oh, you know, we I can't afford to take a vacation this summer. But you know what I mean? It's like minor compared to what we're seeing out there yes and, and look we're not in ukraine there's not, not tanks look, not coming ukraine, on our town we're not in antarctica but i would argue that like ukraine is here not just in like increased gas prices or in the climate change that is causing but our brains are in it is what i'm like like we are experiencing a sense of kind of calamitous anxiety and depression and then we change the channels Right. Literally, we can like that's. I was watching the news last night, and I changed the channel because it was one bad thing after another. And then I went to some like entertainment. This is like our you know postman, right? Like yeah. Like literally, we're experiencing it as entertainment and a spectacle, and are totally disconnected from it. And at the same time, we're trying to kind of have this political movement that everyone kept saying we have to get more and get. But even like politics was like. Send it's part email. of that thing. It's like since George Magazine and JFK, politics is part of the spectacle. You know, it's all Borstein the image. It's all that, or it becomes that. And when it does, then this really perverse thing happens in my head, this almost kind of Dale Carnegie magical thinking fear that it's like, well, wait a minute. 
maybe it's just because we want to see this bad show on TV that the whole world is going through this. So if I decide I want to see something good on TV, it's like being there. You know, I'm going to click the channel and then that's going to have a corresponding effect on reality. Yes. But it won't. No. <laughs> but, we, but, but so here's the thing, like to our brain, right? So I've been le reading a lot of neuroscience lately, right? And so like to our brain, what's happening on the TV that's coming in through kind of our optic nerve and the memories we have of them that happened to us in childhood and then this prospective thought we have of our life in five years, to our brain, those are all the same things. It's all kind of like happening in this singular right. dimensional plane. Our brain plane. doesn't tag things with timestamps. No. And, but we do, right? And, and, right. and, and, we, and we, need, we need to experience time. Otherwise, everything would happen. Like, we couldn't actually, <laughs> we just, yeah. you know. And we can't be present in that way. Although, funny enough, like, a lot of us spend a lot of time trying to become present in that way. Yeah. But it doesn't work because so many of our kind of media and information systems, and really, like, our sense-making is built around having us think that we have some sort of choice where we can like change the channel between something or click on a different social feed. And to our brain, think about like what it's swimming in and it's trying to figure out what is happening. And our brains, that hardware that is our brain, hasn't changed in the past right. 150 years. It's just freaking it out. It just wants to get to, where's safety? Where do I go for safety? Do I go up the tree? Do I hide behind the rock? Where, where, so where's physical safety? Where's that kind of emotional safety? And, 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 and how do I eat? And how do I procreate and pass right. on my genes? I have learned more about kind of quote unquote human nature in the past 18 months by observing closely my dog, my puppy. It's my first time I've ever had a dog, right? Mm. And I notice like what he needs and like what he experiences. And I think to myself, you know, we can put civilization and technology and AI and quantum and airplanes, all that stuff. But at the at the root, a lot of what we are is the same kind of drive, bio drive systems that are driving Ozzy seeking comfort and fear. And at least, at least he's out with it. When the right. mailman comes up, he starts barking, right? But when someone says something to us or we read something, we, we can't bark, we can't let it out. So we bury it because we, we, there's all these right. cult, you know, this is like the Freud and civilization is discontent. So we can't go out of the body. Like, we have to be. We don't have that, we're even the ecstatic dance ritual thing to shake it shake it out, you know? Exactly, like, that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then after the postman leaves, exactly. Ozzy shakes it out, shakes it out. And, he's, and then he's back in the moment. Right. But we don't have that. We have no, but what we do is. We hold it in, especially if it's like trauma. We'll hold it right. in for decades. We shove it right into our muscles, into our organs, into our memory. Yeah, well, we shove it in and we try to bury it. Or then, you know, like we'll get, again, like I'll get into an argument. I write, I write about this in the book. I get into an argument with with Sharon about something crazy about how she packed this stuff into right. the total, grocery bag at Trader middle Joe's. Class issue, yeah. And it was all about like my mom and things 20, uh, and you know, and it blows up because we, we have no, uh, we have no processing, right? So it's kind of like what, what, what we don't have, I had a problem with my router the other night and I was trying to figure out what to do and I was going into the software and all this stuff in the app. And finally I found like on Reddit, someone was like, blah, blah, blah turn it on and off. Just turn it on and off. It'll just kind of like reset when you power it down. Make sure you turn it off for 30 seconds and then power yeah. back on again. And so I didn't, of course it worked. And so I started thinking like, we just don't have that. Like we have it was no- supposed to be sleep. So sleep, so the, 
with the main, yes, when we sleep, it's part of why we sleep is obviously for our muscles, but there's this thing at the, at the base of our brain, the reticular activating system. It's this thing that's kind of like the filter so that nervous stimuli that's coming up from your body doesn't overwhelm you. So the, the, here's an easy experiment with this. Next time, assuming you do this daily, next time you, you take a shower and you put on your underwear, right? And for the first maybe half a second, you're going to feel the tightness of the elastic band. Just tight. Right. Whatever kind of underwear, you're, you feel it. But then watch, half a second later, and it's really tight. You can really, oh my God, this is, I got my underwear on. Half a second, maybe a second later, you don't feel it anymore. Right. The thing is, those nerves are still firing, but the IRS is kind of now filtering it and saying, this is unnecessary information right. for you to move safely through the word, world, Douglas. You don't, right. you don't need to know this anymore. So that's grind. That's fine for underwear or like when you put your socks on. <laughs> yeah, are kind of when I say media environment, it's like literally everything. So like everything is media in that sense. Like we don't know what to turn on or, or off. So we're like in this constant saturation mode, and we go bonkers. Right, and we don't even know what to be triggered by and what not to be triggered by. You know, it's, it's like. We're in, in perpetual pre-fight or flight, which is almost worse than being in fight or flight. Well, there's no release. Right. So you're like constantly like a gun that's cocked, <laughs> like waiting. And then layer on top of that, this kind of current social environment where even if something does literally trigger the gun and you fire... Like, did you say the right thing when you fired off? Or like, like was I that know. a proper... And I won't go into like... The academy were like was that a proper release was it not a release was it something that was pent like all like even that now it's not it doesn't feel like you can kind of release in a way that feels safe right and, and to your point like let's say something does happen and you want to do an ecstatic dance on this like you can't do that anymore right you go to you know san francisco there's was, a rave somewhere was, you can, a rave yeah. or like the early days like in the castro when i was like in the 90s when i would go there for part like you could do that on the street you could be flamboyant let's say as an right. example but if i'm like on the phone you know especially if there's other people around and i hear some weird news or whatever something upsetting i put the phone down and do a a, a floppy hand dance circle hit my head thing people are gonna think i'm freaking crazy yeah so instead you say they're calm and cool and collected and you don't react right. you can't react Right, and I try uh, to be stoic. And you can't, right. yeah, yeah, you can't cry, you can't laugh, you can't have any of these releases because they're not along kind of within the well, social and they norm. can also be wrong. Wait a minute, you laughed at that? Exactly. I'm going to tweet about you. Rushkoff laughed at that. Yeah. It's like, well, it was just a reaction. It was just, oh, that's your spontaneous reaction is laughing? Yeah, what's <laughs> wrong with you? You should have <laughs> cried, you should have yelled. And then somebody <laughs> says, well, he should have laughed, but only after something else. Right. And then <laughs> too soon. Comes, too soon to laugh or too soon to cry or too soon to this or you're too sensitive. You're not sensitive enough. Mm. All of those things may be true, but now even trying to kind of normalize your your neuro environment with the external environment has its own well, and, traps. And, and also, right, and, and also people now, I mean, luckily I don't because I publish so much anyway, but people are trying to then publish their moment-to-moment -moment responses to things by tweeting or Instagramming or TikToking their thing. And I get it. There's an impulse to do it, but it's like, no, 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 no. You know, the, when you're freaked out, that's really not a time to amplify your freaked outness by your 20,000 followers. Or even if you're not freaked out, like I, you know, I, I deleted Twitter off my phone 
when I found myself over the course of several days having thoughts, they were like like an interesting thought about something. It wasn't about something crazy that was happening, but it was something that was maybe like funny or interesting. And my first response, instead of kind of like sitting with it and being like, well, where did that come from? What does that mean? How does that change my life? Was like, wait, I have to remember this so I can tweet this, mm. right? And it was like, it was this... And again, this goes back to like the dog Ozzy or to Douglas and Ari circa 100,000 years ago. Like, will this lead to more safety, right? And so like when I think about like getting more retweets or likes on social media, what you're, what you're really signaling, what your brain is looking for is sig social signaling that you will be allowed back in the cave tonight and you mm. will be able to make it through the night and survive. And so if you look at kind of all of these things, that's kind of at the base. And again, I don't... I'm not like an evolutionary biologist in the sense that I think everything can be traced back there. But be before the computer, before the printing press, for hundreds of thousands of years, there was this nervous system which we barely understand or even want to talk about. Right. And you could look at, in some ways, you could look at civilization has been about the long-term effort to kind of quell and control the nervous system, you know? <laughs> So that you don't just punch somebody or spit, you know what I mean? It's well, and it's worked it, to some it's, extent, but it's a trade-off, right? Right. The, the, well, now was, we're there. This was this was this we was, externalized super all of that. influential book on me, um, and I know there's a lot of issues with it. Was Freud's civilization and discontents, right? Yeah. If you're going to be in a civilization, you're going to be unhappy because there's all these things about your base nature that you have to subjugate. Obviously, his was focused on sex, right? right. And right. Freud is the first incel. Yeah, exactly. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and created a whole, well, you say he's the first incel, but think about how much of modern Western psychology is based off of yeah. that. Right. So we, we live in this way where, and again, this is not, you know, there's, there's a way of looking at this where it's like, well, we should be more like Jordan Peterson. We should give into more of these things and be more machismo and be more alpha. And I, it's not that it's just, I'm not being normative in this. What I'm saying is we at least have to have an honest conversation about the hardware. It's kind of like when the space shuttle, when, when, the, when the Challenger blew up, no one knew where to look or what to do. And eventually, you know, the corporation, I call it, whatever came for it, it was like, it was the O-rings, right? They did right. a, a post-mortem. They're like, well, we never, we always knew that the shuttle was going to launch from Florida. And it's very warm in Florida. So we never tested the O-rings on the boosters to see how they would do in the cold. Because why would you do that right. in Florida? But guess what? Cold snap, uh, the rings contracted, they broke, flared out, and a bunch of people tragically died. Got, died and died. And so at least there was that kind of honest. What we haven't done yet is a kind of post-mortem on civilization the past... I don't know, anywhere from two to 8,000 years about what, what has worked, yeah. what has not worked, and then how do we move forward? But I would argue we couldn't even do that O-ring analysis successfully today. So the NASA scientists could find that out. The public would not believe it. They would yeah. say, oh, well, George Soros planted, you know, nano ants yeah, to in eat the O-ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 100%. Bill Gates didn't want it going up because he wanted to make sure we use, you know, molybdenum satellite 5G instead. Yeah. 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 The challenger can be clearly traced back to 5G strategy. Right. Well, because 5G, 5G is from the time travel age anyway. And then so how do you, so how, how do you see when you look at not kind of Ukraine through the lens of the past 24 hours or even three weeks, yeah. three weeks or even as through the lens of media? 
and not in terms of how we're how we are seeing it or perceiving it or experiencing it, but in terms of kind of like the mental environment. What is playing out here? Oh, dude, for me, and I don't know if I'm allowed to talk like this because there's real people dying and in pain right now. But what I see as a strange media person who experiences most of my life through the screen, I saw George Bush became president in spite of Murphy Brown and Dan Quayle. Mm-hmm. That fight they had yep. in in Murphy Brown fictional land, I saw uh, a George Bush to become president and the right the left wing retreat into the West Wing. Yep. Then I saw reality TV come up and bring Trump, and now I see fictional TV bring a president to Ukraine who is now living out the same drama. Yep. Of his yep. of his television show, and I feel like I'm looking at two systems of storytelling fighting each other. One is a faux reality TV which tends towards fascism and authoritarianism, and the other is a real but fictional Enlightenment style television that tends towards. Uh, neoliberal yep. totalitarianism, almost uh, fighting for dominance of uh, and fighting to be seen as the true hero of humanity. How is this battle come about, and why is it happening between these two different kind of storytelling archetypes or schemas? I would say it's the transition from the television media environment to the digital media environment that we're trying to reckon with television was about the fantasy and the story and the, it was like the culmination of Aristotle's <laughs> this yep. kind of story yep. structure and digital is something else. And it created a great wobble and we don't yet know how to, uh, and I don't, I don't want to uh, throw bones to the sense-making crowd the, in England, but we don't yet know how to make sense. We don't yet know how to find, how to achieve coherence Yep. in a digital media environment. And that wobble is being taken advantage of by all sorts of nasty players. Bad actors. And so what, so, so take me forward. How, what does coherence look like? Right? So regardless of how we get there, like I will, I'll figure that out later with, with you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get there, but it could be X number of years from now and civilization, global civilization, and that could be in subparts, Eastern, Western, this, that, the other. And we've reached kind of coherence with digital it may be in an and by the way it could be pollyannish because you could argue we never reached coherence with tv or with print right. or we didn't. Yeah. we didn't so but we got to a certain point yeah uh, a better better than today point better than today point for some and yeah. worse than today for many others yep you know, I mean, you got not that I'm some whatever is Daniel Pinker or or, or those kind of people, uh, uh, you know, the the Dawkins crowd and Dennett who think that everything's always getting better. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But there are, you know, my problem with all with with the sort of the long term thinking meme. Yeah, is. Maybe it's not probably just my problem. Is that well? Yeah, you know, long termism in some ways is the luxury for those who are okay right now. When 
you know, how dare we do long-termism when there's people dying yeah, right because now? You can do, because it, the, yes, there's within a, there's a subset or maybe it's the majority set. I'm in the subset of long-termism, which is here are all the people that it's okay them die. We don't have to deal with these emergencies right now because there's this existential thing called the survivability of homo sapiens. And we have to either avoid the asteroids or pandemic, whatever it is, so that some of us right. make it through. But no one ever actually says what we actually contribute anyway to the to the to the, to the universe. Right. But there, we must have some amazing contribution. But it becomes an excuse, many say, long termism to avoid dealing with the stuff that's right in front. The acute right. there, there is brutality and violence, domestic, systemic, happening today and tonight. And these other people are saying we really need to focus on the next three three thousand years from now. Right. So when I listen to you know when I see you know white you know, white European cis men, nothing against that. But when I see them talking about, oh, you know, we've got to do a long now clock for a thing. It's like a get, raise money to get people thinking about 10,000 years from now. And now we're going to do workshops to help people make sense of the global this. And it's like, just take care of the people around you. Just stop using as much oil. Just stop flying around. There, we there's so much we could do so easily. Yeah, the, ne the next 10,000 minutes will be very important for a lot of people yes. on the planet, uh, as much as the next 10,000 years are. And so again, I'm, I'm not, but again, I'm not, not because I, I don't think it's a this or that. Right. It's a that and that. Right. And the way we address the future, what we'll always keep finding out is that appropriate action in the present, truly appropriate action in the present is on behalf of the future. Well, so that there's no difference. Yes, we have to do the big kind of futuring. We have to be thinking about that. But, and we know this because we both kind of grew up in a, in a tradition of faith, like our moment-to-moment -moment interactions with other human beings, and importantly, with our own inner sense, is future-making. Like, you, right. don't have, you don't have to, not everyone can create a 10,000-year clock, but what you do becomes these micro-reverberations The way you work the with land. the other person on the clock is, means so much more than the clock. Than the clock. Yeah. yeah, we're seeing these two. This this other kind of neo, you're saying this kind of like neoliberal kind of like quasi authoritarian like story play out. Are, are we at a point where we can like make an instinctual decision about which way we want this to actually go, or do we just go along for the ride? Huh? Like, are we predisposed? Are we patterned as humans? Archetype to go one way well, or the other. I would argue, I mean, and it goes back to your original question about envisioning what does coherence look like? Yeah. I think, ah, and it's the, such a wrong word to use because it's been abused by little people who make bombs and stuff, but I think coherence looks something like anarchism. Mm -hmm. I think we're in anarchism anyway all the time, whether we accept it or not. We just make some temporary rules to make it look like we're not yes, in anarchism. Yes, like the like book, The Dawn of Everything. We're, we're, we're always trying different things. Yeah. And then we make rules and say, well, no, this we're on a curve yeah. towards something amazing. But actually, that's not the way it's been, right. according to these folks. Do you, do you mean that politically, economically, or cognitively? Kind of uh, uh, politically, economically, and socially. 
okay. that we're in little groups. I mean, I'm I'm an anarcho-syndicalist when yes. it comes down to it. That's sort of the future I see working out. And even if blockchain works, it would be to promote an anarcho-syndicalist future where we've got real high-touch cottage industries, local people working together, making windows, making yo-yos, making yeah. you know swatches, whatever they're doing uh, uh, together, and then being networked with others kind of kibbutzim, other yep, kibbutzes yep. all around, each making different things in cottage industries. And you can even make a friggin' iPhone that way if you coordinate it properly. Yep. It, it, well, and then the question becomes, in that world, would you need an iPhone? You wouldn't, well, you would. You would like, might would you like want... an iPhone, but you wouldn't be as dependent on it. Yeah, or you would be dependent on what? What would be more important than a screen in your, or a phone then in your the, pocket? the other people in your- in The your, other humans. Yeah. And so is that is and is, that's scarier because humans are less predictable than your iPhone. Yeah. How so? Well, it's why cry, why we have iPhones, why we look at screens instead of each other where and that's you know when when you first said what's your definition of coherence? I was like the ability to maintain eye contact. Yeah. But well, I I'm sure you've done those exercises which I love doing right. at offsites and right. retreats where they they pair you up with a, a random person yeah. and you stare in each other's eyes uh. for so I was at a I was at Kripalu up North a couple months ago, so I did that. We stared into each other's eyes. This guy I had never right. met, but then they took another step forward, and then we started doing uh, kind of like a almost like a contact improv dancing where uh -huh. he would do something and I would try to mirror him. So and then I did that, and he did yeah. that, and then the third level was we were like doing that but moving like chi energy back and forth. Right. It was kind of this like dancing qigong, and at first I was like, "This is nuts. This is, this is." <laughs> And I, and I labeled it nuts because it was so uncomfortable, right? Because it's not, it wasn't predictable. I'm like, what's this guy going to do? And how am I going to do that? And, and who's watching me? And what eyes? And yeah. will I be allowed back in the cave at night? And, <laughs> and like two hours after this, you know, Qigong tag team dancing type thing, I was like, that was the most amazing thing I've ever done. <laughs> like that was the most in myself I had felt in a very long time because in myself was in the moment and I was there was a coherence at least between us. Right. In a world that is discordant. And in some ways I would argue there are many business plans <clears throat> slash Madison Avenue that are built on uh, creating a, a a a lack of coherence in the individual. Oh yeah, but that was the thing that's been bothering me most. I'm going to talk to these uh, symposia people about it as soon as I can. This sort of psychedelic uh, uh, Marxist group is seeing folks use my language and language of others, and you listen to them. You know these sort of you know sense making types. They use the same language. They use you know find the others and team yeah. humanity yeah. and all these things, but. I listen to them and they their speeches, their videos are destabilizing, right? They they make me feel less oriented, imbalanced. They I regress to a childlike state of confusion. And then at the end, it's like, so pay five thousand dollars for this seminar or join this cult, or you know, whatever it is that they want. And I'm like, oh my God, they're using all the same stuff, all the same language, destabilizes. We regress to a childlike state and then transfer parental authority onto these new dudes. That's screwed up, right? That's After you swipe your credit card. Yeah. And then maybe swiping the credit card gives you that it's okay. Now I'm on the road. Yeah. Now I'm on the road. To, I'm in the course. Yeah. I'm taking the thing. It's going to be all right. They're going to the take path. care of me. Right. I'll get, I'll get in, back into the cave. I'll soon get back enough. into the cave. I'll make it. Like, again, I'm in the cave. I'm on the, I'm on the, yeah. It seems like a lot of this is like you're battling to either be in the cave. 
And then once you're in the cave, you can get food and yeah. procreation and other things. But just you got to make it there by nightfall, right? Right. And it feels like to me in 2022, like the it. I don't know if it feels or I'm being made to feel yeah. that the sun is going down and I'm looking for my cave and I'm looking for my people because right. you look at the TV where we start. You look at Ukraine and the ice sheet, and and so either the light, either the sun is going down. I got to find my cave. Yeah. Or, and or, there are a whole bunch of folks that can make a lot of money and increase their power by making you, th they're gaslighting, yeah, right? They they're are you, gaslighting. They're making you think the sun is going down. And again, I'm not going to go Right, full. but then you go and you go full full Trump more and it's like, oh, well, climate change is a hoax to get people to want to run to their caves. Yes. And it's, and, and it's hard, and I, I understand wanting to run to the cave and find my tribe and all that, but I've also been raised in such a highly individualistic culture. It's like, oh, dude, you're depending on some group cave don't you have your own, own individual friggin yeah. self-sovereignty you get your own you know hexagonal floating well, pontoon you, you get in your the, own in missile ocean silo steading. that's been yeah. converted into an apartment right. to make it through but there's just enough food for one right? and your and your harem and, and your, your guard and, and your robot security, guard, your robot yeah. guard <laughs> of course and so how do people you know if people made their way up the mountain or just up from Midtown yeah. to here, and they're like, hey, Douglas Rushkoff, like, how do I, as an individual, get more coherence in my life and and battle? Because I, I, I don't, there's, I don't wanna be in this battle between stories. Hmm. I wanna be kind of here and now with folks, and I wanna live team human. I wanna live yeah. long, I wanna do this. What do you say? I love the way you transmit knowledge through, through, Questions rather than statements. Yeah, of course, it's very interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's not that it because it's not that you have the answer, but the the answer is embedded in the process of question asking. You know? Yes. I mean the the, the as, as we've talked about before, like the not so much Socratic, but it's Talmudic. not Socratic method. It's Talmudic. It's right. different. Socratic method. The Socrates guy has the answer yeah. and is just drawing it out of the slave. Yeah. Talmudic is. The inquiry is the thing. The process is the thing. Yes. Well, that becomes it, right? So this goes back to this idea of long-termism, right? In the right. sense that is the is it is it how we live in the moment? That process is. I, I think that in some ways is more important than this end point. Yet we still have to have an. We have to still have something to aspire to, but the means and the ends have to become one. So right. if I'm coming up the hill now, there are no externalities. There are no externalities, right. and what this current economic system has done beautifully is externalized almost everything. That's the object of the game. That's Jack Welch. Externalize yes. anything Externalize. that costs money. <laughs> David, David Dallas has a book coming out on, on Jack Welch. He, yeah, I saw that thing. Yeah, I'm so glad someone's doing. It. I talked to him for it. Yeah. So he's doing this. I've seen like parts of it, and I just went for a, on a walk with him, and it's like. You know, we never think because Welch is such a hero in so many quote unquote a hero in a business yeah. and of that. But it was really about kind of, you know, like when you know when you get tofu, if you really want to make great tofu, you have to squeeze it and get all the water yeah. out of it. Like that was the Welching economics. Just squeeze it so yeah. all the externalities were pushed out. Right, which is why he ended up in the finance business, because that's the only thing that's pure yes, in money, it's, right? It's pure. He got rid of all the industry, all yeah, the production. Well, like when you squeeze out when right. you don't need no health and insurance, workers. no employees, nothing. <laughs> Just money. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I'm coming up and, I, and I'm, and I'm going to go see, and I, and I want to think about, like, I don't want to live in a world where everything is externalized 
yet I don't know if I can take everything in. So how do, how do folks balance it in this moment? So I'm asking you to answer the question of how to have coherence in this moment when we're, we're media-saturated and inundated. We don't want to live in a world where we externalize everything, but we don't want to be so overwhelmed that we can't get out of bed in the morning. I think what we do is realize that we are, because we're not directly in the line of fire, you know, we are, chiefly, we are responsible for metabolizing what is going on elsewhere, that we are part of the same human organism. You know, we are part of the same giant meta nervous system. It's yep. all is one. We are connected. It's one super organism here. And if we're not on, we've got to metabolize that and metabolizing it as coherently as possible, we relieve as much stress from that situation as possible by driving less, using less oil, doing everything we can to, to, to alleviate pressure on that region. But we can only metabolize so much. And so... I know, and more and more is happening. And that's why I went, oh my God, I'm metabolizing full time. Now, and then is it really worse? You know, you, I always ask, you know, like, 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 you know, the when sharks attack phenomenon. Shark attacks have not really gone up. It's just that because we have Discover, cha Discover yeah, Channel. We have Shark we, Week. We, we have Shark Week. We have so much more indication of it that we know more about it that we think it's worse. So, you know, is the world worse or do we just have more um, uh, webcams to show us that? No, the world... Is worse. There's well, more. worse. Yeah. And so, do you see the? You know, I'm gonna. I'll ask you this question. It's the. It's the. It's the third paragraph of your obituary, right? Yeah. And this is you've lived a long life. This is like in the 2080s. You're like 120. Oh wow. Ago. Cool. The first thing is Dr. Roshkov, eminent, you know, media theorist, scholar. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's on yeah. something. We, we call them newspapers, just okay. like we yeah. call things, you know, Kleenex or whatever. Email, yeah. right? There's no mail. Kleenex, right? Desktop. That exactly. They won't even know the metaphor is what it's referring to. Great right. husband, father. Yeah. Yeah. And the third paragraph is he he helped people make sense of the of the transitionary moment that we were in by what? What how did you help them? It's a big question. I wonder. I guess by I mean I did a few I had a few ways. I've helped. I figured out a few things along the way, but I mean, I guess if if the current thing I'm doing is the thing, you know, by by helping people, you know, truly grasp the fact that being human is a team sport, that mm -hmm. we're in this together. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and to do that in the age of strident American individualism, of profit making and profit taking, is is no small task. And, and that perhaps to what kind of what you said earlier, and this is I think I see it in many of uh, many of your books, and maybe in the one coming out, is just kind of like part of Team Human is kind of like there's like a there's a larger cave here, right? Right. Like we're either all in it or all out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I was arguing in 1999 when I went to uh, Richard Metzger's Disinfo conference for mm -hmm. the counterculture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I did this speech where I was like saying, we've got to bring we got to bring them all along. Yeah. We can't, you know, George Bush, the Republicans, the money people, they're all turning to the counterculture now. They realize we've won. They want to know how to be cool. And we're saying, oh, no, stay away. You can't be cool. We're cool. You're bad. It's like, no, we can't do that. 
We've got all our welcome, all our welcome. Yes, you people can be cool too. You can join us. And we didn't do that. Instead, we entrenched further. You know what I mean? We, we wanted yeah. to make sure they understood just how uncool they were. And we bifurcated this thing rather than uh, uh, moving into some kind of uh, uh, holism. Well, you, well you, you, and, and you see that manifest clearly like even in politics, right? I've been involved in politics for a very long time, presidential campaigns. But it's always like, we have to bring out our base. And in some ways not let them quote unquote bring out their base. And it's like, right. what about all one base? Like, what does it mean to like persuade others to bring them along to something? I know. Now it's, it's called deep canvassing, right? But yeah, even, deep canvassing does it. But you know, when Bernie Sanders went on Joe Rogan, I first, before I knew it was wrong, I first thought, yay, this is yep. great because, you know, all those little alt-right kids who took Pepe and were looking for an uncastrated male authority figure to follow if they can hear that bernie's answer is actually that we're in a class warfare and we we're all being oppressed and we can all join together you know and he got so slammed for it it was as if you know he he broke some cardinal rule by reaching out to them it's like oh that's a that's a missed a missed opportunity but you're exactly right we can't it was like it's somehow it's anathema to our base to try to to try to well, yeah, uh, uh, you know, see theirs. All, quote unquote, all Trump, all the people who voted for Trump are racist and stupid and terrible. And all the people who voted for Biden are cucks and communists and pedophiles, whatever. And that's, pedophiles that's, that's, and that's neoliberal and Or neo this or that, or they want to yeah. ship our jobs, da, da, da. And, and everybody's right on a certain level. Yes. I mean, that's the issue, right? Right. Like there's a kind of this like then. It's it not an equal gets, right. Right? Yeah. And I'm saying they're equivalent, but there's right in everything. I understand why people are mad at the at at borderless nations. I get it. I understand. Or factories that were shut down or you know, I mean yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot with Or um, solar panels replacing coal. I get it. hundred percent. Right? Especially when your dad and dad and dad and my you've been you've been doing and, this forever. Right. And, and anyone who did, quote unquote, get out of town was only to get a college degree to come back and do better mining or whatever. Right. right? And then you've got to listen to, to Hillary and Al Gore and, and to convert the coal mine into a solar panel factory and give money to the Chinese and get retrained. And yep. Ah. And, there's a, and, I, and I say, yep, because it's kind of like we every look, I'm going to bring it back to the cave. Like everyone wants a sense of coherence and story and place and understanding of who they are in the world and what they're here to do. It used to be God gave them that. Yep. Then you know, jobs give them that. Family gives them that. But as all these things in this kind of latest version of our kind of economic system destroy all of that, yep. we're all looking for someone both to either provide an answer and provide an explanation. Right. And so Bernie can do it. Hillary can do. It, everyone can. Everyone has a different. It's like the three blind men and the elephant. Right. One is touching the tail. One is touching the belly. One is touching the trunk. And they all describe the elephant very differently. And again, to your point, it's not about whataboutism or false equivalency or anything like that because there are more badness yes. on the right, 100%. Yes. Feel it. I see with every anti-Semitic thing that comes my way on Twitter. And taking away those extremes on the right. And someone would say it's all of them, but it's not because I was just right. with some Republican folks who voted for Trump and they were the reasons they were giving were kind of similar to what you said. They're like, well, they shut, yeah. they shut the factory down yeah. and I was supposed to be okay with it. You know what I will tell you in real answer to your question on what I what I figured out yeah. or what I shared was the story structure we've been using since Aristotle 
beginning, middle, end, crisis, climax, release, winners, losers, right? Yep. The winner gets saved and the winner losers are vanquished. Yep. That story structure is about externalization. That story structure negates the sanctity of the antagonist, of the enemy. And the thing that I hope to do between now and the end of my life is offer humanity an alternative but equally satisfying story structure that doesn't require a winner and a vanquished. That 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 transcends this kind of male orgasm curve, uh, you know, cli- crisis climax yeah. sleep yeah. quality of of uh, of storytelling with the refractory phrase built into exactly. it. Exactly. So, I, and I know you've written on this, and and we will, I won't go down the rabbit hole where that came from, but I think <laughs> yeah. you, you literally hit it. You know, you look at what what we what we what we currently call indigenous, but really kind of like our earliest ancestors in different geographies before we kind of like colonized and came in people who had been on the land for hundreds if not thousands of years they have these more kind of circular stories these infinite games these ways of not having that story arc myth of eternal return and all yeah and so how do you do you see those kind of coming back in like where do where does that kind of universal wisdom because i would argue you know campbell touched on some of this with comparative transdisciplinary understanding of mythologies but even those veered towards yeah. the western because that's that was how he that was his tutelage how do you see those coming back in though like how do those we got a little bit of that with black panther and wakanda a little yeah. bit but it went through the kind of marvel thing so it didn't it, well, it i couldn't, think we're gonna see it in more in gaming than in uh i mean just to respawn yeah it's pretty cool yeah you know i mean the first time i did that i was like oh my god yeah, I'm back. You're back. You may have lost li- some coins, but you're yeah, back. I got another life. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do it differently this time. <laughs> yeah, this kind of like Hinduesque understanding of that in the West, we don't have that, right? Like you go out west in your wagon, you either get killed, you either kill Indians or you get killed by the Indians, and that's it. Right. Well, Bill Murray did it. Right. He came at <laughs> his Groundhog Groundhog Day. We we played with it, you know, and we got Russian Doll. There's there's uh, some stories are starting to starting to, to get into iteration and... But then how do you square those stories that... How does that nesting doll architecture and that respawning ensure, though, that you're doing the good work that needs to happen today to help the people that are getting screwed? Because, because there'd be a oh. way where you make an excuse where, like, ah, you know what, I'm going to come back. And I don't, mean even, I, I don't even mean in terms of, like, come back as someone no, better. No, no, like, it doesn't ensure it. It doesn't ensure it, but it takes us out of the ends justifies the means uh, journeys. At least it takes that off the table. You can't do something now for this later thing. You're doing something now because you're in an eternal present. It's all happening now. You're swimming in it. You're 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 soaking in it. You know, which is back to what we started with. We're soaking in it. We're in it. We're in it. This is it right now. We are in it. But yeah. you know, being in it, the bad, all the bad really does. Just like pain. And you've been in pain. I've been in pain. When it's really happened, when you've gotten the really bad thing, when you're in pain, you can only be in it. Yeah. Right. There's no future. There's yeah, like no, a bad trip. Like a bad trip. Like a bad trip going right. back. But like you're like when you're in it. I I I I do. It's it's to bring it fully circle. Like my second time doing mushrooms, I had a 
quote unquote bad trip. It was bad because I had to deal with stuff. Right. It wasn't this pleasurable thing where like it was only dolphins and unicorns talking to me saying, all right, all yeah. is love. It was more like, <laughs> here's in, here's inherited trauma. Like you right. lost generations in the hall. And I was like, oh, this is bad. And then and my <laughs> friend who was kind of the guide on this, but he eventually went dark too <laughs> in a different way. He goes, I was like, oh, I can't handle it. He goes, you're in it. This is it. Like, this is it. And it wasn't a, by the way, not meant to glorify yeah. reliving trauma or pain in any way, shape, or form. But I was very present with the stuff that had been externalized. And, you know, when I think of the work that, like, Brian Stevenson is doing or other people are kind of, like, of acknowledging and as best as possible, it's like Truth and Reconciliation right. Commission in South Africa. We need, like, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission for what we have gone through yeah, to well, get here as exact, homo sapiens. Yeah, well, the, the the chickens came home to roost, Yeah, right? The externalities. We, 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 I always talk about, you know, the billionaires, you know, they trying to make a car that drives fast enough to escape from its own exhaust, where you got all the way around the world and you're smack back, damn, back in your own exhaust. And that is, you know, that is the feature of a digital age. A digital age, this is what, what Norbert Wiener got, it's based on feedback and iteration. It's a feedback loop. Everything's feeding back. And that's the cybernetic present mm -hmm. that the, the, the causes and effects are become the same thing. Yeah. You know, Jack Welch was great because he had, could do a cause over here and the effect, the effect was, was over, over in there. China. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> now the or in Ohio right. or in Appalachia right. or, you know, when you built a, when a politician voted to put a bus depot in Harlem because, well, we got. It's over there on the other there. side of the red line. It's over there. But there is no over there. Right. Is there? It's all here. It's all and here. it's all now. So I, you know, I can I can pollute over here, and that ice shelf that's over there is right here. The Ukraine thing is right here. Right. It the Chinese not... Uyghurs are right here. It's all right here. And it's so fascinating. You know, you, when you started, you talked about a term that I've been thinking about so much lately: tactical nukes. Yeah. Right? This idea, because remember, I we grew up with like war games and mutually assured destruction, and a. And one nuke, one nuke went off, meant a whole bunch of them went off, right? Yeah. And now we're talking about tactical nukes, like little things that we can drop over here and somehow it won't reverberate throughout the entire system, right? So we're like, it's hard for us to let go of this, like it's all over here. We're still playing with it. Like, oh, if we do it over there, if we drop a, if we drop a nuke, if a it's small tactical. nuke, right. it's, though, it's a tactical just, nuke. Right. It's a tactical ice shell falling off. It's a tactical <laughs> insurrection, right? It's not, it's not, it's a tactical slap, whatever it is, but it's all like right here right. in our brains in some fundamental way know that. Like, even if we build up a wall. We know they're not real. The boundaries aren't real. It's over, oh, it's in Mexico, not here. Yeah, what? Exactly. What's the difference between Mexico and Texas again? It's all, or it's in Texas that they got the abortion law, not here. Yeah, it's not it's here. Up, it's over there. Yeah, and, and, the question is, and it's easy to, I would imagine, to kind of get to a point where you're like, oh, like all is lost. This is just too fucked up, right? On the one hand, or on the, and I'm just going to go, go to my bunker. Yeah. Right. Or I'm going to just start taking a lot of medicine that I have to, a lot of pills and drugs <laughs> and get a lot, other things. I'm, I'm not knocking medicine, like, but it just whatever. And, but that's, I guess for a majority of folks though, that's not going to work because they can't afford the silo. They can't take the meds or they, whatever reason. And none of them really work. The silo and won't work. They don't work. Well, what it does is it, it, it externalizes what's still yeah. here, right? Is the answer Buddhism? <laughs> is the answer... Because remember, a lot of this was taken care of by God. 
God took care of this after you died, right. explanation, the story, all the stories. And now we have this like God-shaped hole in our society that I don't think needs to be plugged in. You can't, you can't spackle it with a new religion because it's a thing and that, that story is gone. And so do you think it's that infinite story that comes back or what, what is it that will fill that? So that we don't, in other words, what I'm, what I'm getting at is when you laid out these two different kind of story narrative yeah. structures that are battling right now, that we see this in Ukraine, but we see it kind of everywhere. The, the Hegelian, the dialectic, thesis, antithesis. Like, what does that synthesis look like? I think like Donna Haraway, we learned to stay with the trouble. You know, she wrote this, this book on staying with the trouble. And my problem with it still, just like my, my, my discomfort with like Tyson Yunkaporta and some of the 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 kind of aboriginal scholars is they don't respect the special place of humans in nature they're like dude you just got to give that up we're just all part of the all the same thing us and the trees and the squirrels and the mm -hmm. grasshoppers and i'm like no but humans are special we make movies we're yeah, yeah. thinking we're stewards we're responsible you know they were unique at least or something but I think it's it's you know giving it up, you know it's it's this humility, this this the, the humility of no boundary. And so that means so you're saying we're not special, or that we are special. No more special than anything else. No more special, but with a whole you know Stuart Brand would say like you know, he, he used to say it's he's the wrong, he's the wrong. How so? Stuart Brand, and that's the thing. He's this ex army major colonel, whatever he was. I guess he was a major, and he brought the sort of command and control human superiority ethos to the counterculture. Yeah, we're as, powerful as, you know, as powerful as God's, we might as well get used might to it. Might as well it. get used to it. So well let's build, let's, let's genetically, you know, genetically create woolly mammoths yep. to deal yep. with this problem. And if we don't do that, if you're scared to do that, then you're not stepping up to the true human uh, role. That, that, I understand that one, and I understand the Donna Haraway one of, no, we're all just us and the jellyfish and the deer antlers and everything yep. else, male, woman, Marxist, and yep. feminist. Blah, blah, blah. There's something in between those so two. So I was going to say, what's in between? And <laughs> because that's what it is. Like, we, we have, you know, I'm looking at your bookshelf. You know, it's, it's one of the things I love about your bookshelf is there's like the Jewish religious section. <laughs> there's some of your books that have been translated into like Korean. It's like, it's, it's, it's but I'm looking at that. It's like, so we read all this stuff, like, that, and I don't want to say that third way because maybe the Hegel, maybe that's too simplistic. The Hegelian synthesis, these it's, 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 you can't but they're see both. No, it's more of a living tension. It's what what Sarah Pessin, like my, my uh, religion scholar in Denver, talks about. It's that kind of prickly hope. It's that ongoing discomfort. It's not resolved. It's weird. It's that's why Donna Haraway staying with the trouble. It's. Oh, it's incomplete. It's weird. It's strange. It's it's ooh, not quite right. And how do you like Genesis says the only good trip is a bad trip. How do you learn to stay in the weird place, the liminal place, that place that even David Lynch is trying to train us? So it's like it's weird, but that's where it really is. That's where the stuff happens. That's where the good stuff happens. Are we capable? And I, I know you're not a a, a neuroscientist necessarily, but you play one on TV. Huh. Are we capable of staying with the weird in an ongoing way? Or do we have to kind of settle to the mean of just kind of like a binary reality? We're or is that just a story that we're I'm being capable told? of doing it if we have uh, uh, solid relationships with other humans? 
we're not capable of doing it alone with our screens. I'm capable of doing it with you in this room embodied now. If this, I prom if this were one of my Zencaster mm -hmm. interviews mm -hmm. or conversations, I wouldn't be able to walk into the scary zone with you the way that we just did now. Because we're, in a, we're sharing an actual We're sharing physical space. it. We're here. You're here. I'm going to protect you. I got your back. Yeah, literally. You're, you you are facing exactly. You know, I always try to explain to people. You know, my my father uh, of blessed memory was a fought with the Jewish underground in World War II. Most of his families were killed by the Nazis very early on. He fought with the underground. He did Nazi hunting after war. All this crazy stuff. He never sat with his back to a door the rest of his life, and he never actually. But he wasn't verbal about it. It's just at one point I was like, yeah. "Oh, you sit here." No, no, no. Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good." And I realized because he had, for real reasons, learned that you can't like no one's going to have your back but you. Because uh, probably he'd experienced some yeah. very real moments of that. But no one's going to have your back but you makes sense for him. In but war. I, in war. But I don't think it's a way to run a society. No. It's what or you civilization. saw. It's the way the dealers were on the wire. Yeah. Right? And it's just that's... <sighs> That's, you know, and that's why I object to the Sopranos as, you know, everyone says, you know, it was a great show and all that, but that, that Tony Soprano is living this sort of the, 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 the model, uh, an extreme version of the same existential life we're all living. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's a friggin' sociopath mm -hmm. living with the same existential worry. And the reason he has existential worry is because he can't make a genuine connection with any other human being, yep. not a real one. He can make a nostalgic fake yep. connection, but no, we have a real Right. To say I've got your back means, you know, when you're in virtual reality, no one's got your back. You've got friggin' goggles on your face and you don't mm -hmm. know who's going to come mm -hmm. around behind you and hit you with a bat, mm -hmm. you know, and that 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 is the opposite of being with people. Because, right, when I'm looking at you and you're looking at me, I'm yes. protecting We're what's looking, behind and your I'm head. I'm looking what's behind your head. Yeah. And, th and that that's the way it should be. Then you have 360 degree coverage. You know, it's yes. just, there's been so much coverage this week of the Academy Awards and like the the yuckiness, I'll just say, that happened with Rock and Smith and it made me all fired up and I was watching yeah. all these different sides. Da, da, da. And then, and I felt, I was watching it live. So the I, slap that I have, launched a thousand hot takes. Hot, yeah, a million <laughs> hot takes. And I realized where, but so it launched a million hot takes, but what I only read once or twice, which was the kind of antidote, I guess, to the slap, yeah. was this kind of, moment that most people it, it, it happened on a on a hot mic at the very end for best picture Liza Minnelli comes out with Lady Gaga I don't know if you saw this so mm -hmm. Liza Minnelli's in a wheelchair and uh, there's been some like I, I don't she know Parkinson's or something. something and sorry for the record I love Liza Minnelli yeah always uh, have. doesn't and so she comes out <laughs> and she's in the wheelchair Lady Gaga's next to her and Liza Minnelli for for whatever reason was kind of like she had like cards that she had to read from and she kind of got yeah. lost, overwhelmed by the moment yeah. all these people are standing and cheering. And Lady Gaga takes her hand, leans over, takes her hand and goes, don't worry, I got you. And Liza Minnelli says, I know you do. Ugh. And this wasn't on a teleprompter. It was like ultra human. And I and and to me, whenever I get fired up about what happened on the Smith Rock thing, oh, ah, what does this mean about civilization? I go back to that other moment, right? Of like Lady Gaga and Liza Minnelli, like, I got you. And we, I think we need more of that. I think we need yeah. more of like, I got you. And our our systems, our social media, all these things are built for the gotcha and not the I got, got you. you. 
And so when I when I think about these folks coming up here to 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 talk to you or whatever, like it's like I got you. It's okay. You can be you. And that I think is what's going to get us through that. And one year, and when you know that, when you have that psychological safety, you can be weird again. Yeah. And when you can be, and by the way, when I say weird, I don't mean whatever in a judgmental weird weird i mean just being yourself right i don't mean being rude or like really out there for the sake yeah. of shock i mean just being like messy and not totally the weird you that you are the the, the we're the human that yeah. every human is yeah not the not the branded version of you right, right. Like i think about like everyone you know i have this i'm working on this um, obviously my book is coming out and everyone's like well, what how are you going to position and brand yourself I'm like position my position myself what is that because to position <laughs> yourself means you have to it's if you look on a map you're positioning against something else you're not just being you you're not just being like you 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 have to vis-a-vis something else yeah. and so i've been wrestling with that and i realized as we're talking it's not about it's not about positioning so i got you or this person or that person it's just like you just want to be in a place where people can say like, I got you, I got you, you got me. Let's move through this crazy thing together and do the best we can as opposed to what other folks are telling us we have to do so that they feel better about themselves or they have more money or more power over us. It feels to me, it's like a kind of almost like a simple way of moving through it. Yeah. Well, Ari Wallach. Douglas Rushoff. I got you. I got you. Thank you for being on Team Human. My pleasure. And thank you for being on Team Human. Our guest today was Ari Wallach, founder of Long Path Institute and author of the upcoming book, Long Path. You can find out more about him at longpath.org or going to teamhuman.fm, where we have links on him and all of our past guests. You can also click on support to become a supporting member of the team. Team Human is produced by Joshua Chapdelin and engineered by Luke Robert Mason. My name is Douglas Rushkoff, and I'm on Team Human, our last best hope for peeps. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options buttery soft italian leather bags and so much more and it's all priced at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands plus quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Kyla Tsinas. Kyla Tsinas. I'm Kyla Tsinas, and I have been training a global community of women since 2009. I've created a brand new podcast, Sweat Daily, to help you level up your life and reach your health and well-being goals. From fitness tips to food that fuels you, meditation to motivation, we've got you covered. Sweat Daily, the happiest, healthiest, and most confident version of you awaits. Available on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>